If you have your Bible, Acts chapter 2 uh, is where we'll be at. And if y'all can make that clock a little bit bigger because I don't have my watch. And everybody will love me if I know what time it is. Okay, I, maybe I can see it. I was looking at something different. Acts chapter 2, if you have the church app, uh, if you click on where it says notes, then you'll be able to follow along uh, with us today. A couple things. Uh, if you, uh, they, we didn't have this in the announcements. Um, if you're not doing anything tonight, I know we have celebrate recovery and different things like that, but at 5.30 tonight, um, the uh, Assembly of God churches in our area uh, are having a joint service at First Assembly in Amory, um, and so I'd love to invite you to come if you would like to come and be a part of that. Uh, the superintendent for our district, uh, Bob Wilburn, is going to be preaching, and uh, it's going to be a good time. We're looking forward to that. Uh, together, uh, Pastor Christie did mention in the announcements about the art sale. Just uh, do me a favor. If you wouldn't sell it, don't bring it. Now, I know another man's junk or somebody's junk, whatever that little phrase is, another man's treasure. If you know it's junk, don't bring it. But if you think that it could even come raise a tiny bit of money, we need it. We want it. And uh, we encourage you to, to bring that. If you've got something that uh, you can't get here and we need to try to rally the troops to help you get it here, um, we'll definitely do that. Just please let us know. And uh, thank you for that. Midweek has uh, been kicked off. And we, Pastor Sean uh, leads a group that's doing worship and prayer. I have a group on the Spirit Empowered Life. Uh, and then we have a Love Where You Live group. This Love Where You Live outreach this Wednesday night uh, is the community meal that's going to take place. Uh, at, I call it the Assembly Annex, um, what was Calvary over on Lindbergh Road. And so I encourage you uh, to find a place to get plugged in for midweek. Last thing I'll say, I promise, and then I'm jumping into this, is after church, if you are new to the Assembly, we have Next Move. Next Move uh, is, is kind of our, our new, new members thing, uh, assimilation thing. That doesn't mean if you come, you have to sign up and be a member. If you want to know more about our church, if you want to know where we're from, where we're at, where we're headed, uh, I encourage you to come. Today, as uh, soon as service is over, it's going to be in the, um, in the commons, and we have lunch. Uh, even if you did not register, I think I have a couple extra, and so we would love for you to come hang out with uh, Lindsay and I, and uh, we're going to be sharing what God's doing and where we are. Every summer, I preach a series called Summer School. And we normally do it a little bit later in the year, but because of some other things we're going to be doing and God's uh, helping us uh, get ready, um, we bumped it up and we're going to start uh, today. And summer school is something that I intentionally do, uh, and I want it to be um, uh, not, not, when I say fun, I don't want you to take what I'm saying wrong. I don't want it to be engaging. I want you to learn something. I take characters from Scripture or events from Scripture, and I kind of hope that, that through those you'll see uh, what God's doing in someone's life or what God does through a, a certain event. And so uh, we're going to be doing that over the next four weeks. Today, we're going to get started uh, in this series, and today is Pentecost Sunday. And so today, uh, the first part of our summer school series is the day of Pentecost or Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, says this. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
There appeared to them tongues as a fire being distributed and resting on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to speak. I will tell you again that if you don't come on Wednesdays to midweek and you love to learn more about the person, power, and, 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 and role of the Holy Spirit in your life, uh, come to our uh, midweek breakout on the Spirit-empowered life. I believe that God uh, will help you have a hunger for His Word, a hunger for His presence uh, in Jesus' name. So today there's three questions that I want us to ask about Pentecost. Now you may be in this room and you may have uh, heard of uh, Pentecostals. Or you may have heard of spirit-filled living, but maybe you've never really experienced that kind of you, you've heard about it. Now, I'll say this. I said this Wednesday night. I've got some friends of mine who are not Pentecostal, who are not assemblies of God, uh, and some of them attend Baptist churches, okay? Love them. They love Jesus. Can't wait to go to heaven with them, but I like to be a little bit more excited than they do. That's okay, though. That's supposed to be funny. Um, <laughs> and they tell me, Y'all people are weird. Y'all believe in tongue talking and snake handling and pew jumping. First of all, I'm probably not going to jump in pews. Uh, I don't think that'd do well for the pew or for you or for me if I fail. I don't plan on grabbing no snake. I know what the Bible says, but I also know what my, my common sense says. I ain't testing the Lord. To put... Some Pentecostals under the same generic umbrella, I tell my Baptist friends, is about like me putting all Baptists under the same umbrella with the Westboro Baptist people who boycott and cause crazy riots and roughness among everything else. So if you have this, you know, just pre-thought or presupposition in your mind of, of what, what Pentecostal means and that word just automatically makes you think snake handling, chandelier swinging and all that good stuff. I want you to hang on today because I want us to look at in God's word at what is Pentecost. Now listen to me. I do believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God is unique and God is awesome and God can do what he wants to do when he wants to and how he wants to do it. Okay? Let's go ahead and say that. But I also believe that God is a God of order. Amen. And I don't believe that God does anything to cause chaos or confusion because the gifts of the Spirit are the purpose to edify the church, build the church, and be assigned to the unbeliever. That's right. So if you've seen something that's crazy, chaos, or circus-like, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now. I say this a hundred times and I'll say it again. I don't care how it feels if you can't tell me where it's found. And if it ain't in the book, everything, everything has to be, be, be based by God's word. I, I heard someone say it one time this way. They said the Holy Spirit is the river, but the word of God is the banks. And nothing should ever flow over the bank. However, with that said, I do believe that God has called us as spirit-filled people to live a life that is empowered and excited. Amen? Amen. So today I'm going to give you full permission to not sit there and be quiet and play the quiet game. There's no losers today if you talk back. Matter of fact, if you talk back, I'll preach faster and you'll get out of here sooner. Amen? amen. Isn't that amazing? Some of y'all just said amen. You ain't said amen in church in a decade. <laughs> so, there, there it again. Lindsay says amen is on. Three questions to ask ourselves about Pentecost. Let's start with this. What is Pentecost? 
Exodus chapter 23, verse 16, the first part of that verse says this. You shall observe the feast of harvest, the first fruits of your labors, which you have sown in the field. Exodus 34, 22 says this. You must observe the feast of weeks, the first fruits of the harvest, of the wheat harvest rather, and the feast of ingathering at the end of the year. Now, if you ain't picked up on this yet, the Feast of Harvest, the Feast of Weeks, is the same as the Feast of Pentecost. This particular passage uses a phrase called the Feast of Engathering. That's also known uh, as the Feast of Tabernacles, when the Jewish people celebrate what God did for them in the wilderness. This is the Feast of Engathering. Numbers 28, verse 26. And on the day of the first fruits, when you bring a new grain offering to the Lord... At your, week, your Feast of Weeks, you will have a holy assembly, and you will do no ordinary work. So what is this Feast of Harvest, Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost? Well, it didn't start in Acts chapter 2. The Pentecostal uh, experience, or this, this feast rather, is one of three major Jewish feasts that take place each year. It's 50 days after Passover. That's where we call it Pentecost. Penta meaning five. And so there's 50 days that take place from Passover to Pentecost. This is a harvest feast. It's where they celebrate, where the Jews come together and celebrate. This is also what's taking place at the time of Acts 2. Because, you see, what happens at Pentecost and also what happens at, uh, in, in gathering, the Feast of Tabernacles, is the, the Jewish people come to the city. They come from wherever they are and they make this pilgrimage to the city to celebrate together. So what Pentecost is, is a Jewish festival, but it's also a New Testament experience that we see take place. Second question is this. Number one, what is Pentecost? Number two, why? Why Pentecost? Well, Pentecost is just the fulfillment of a promise. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 32 says this. And it will be that afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Then your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Even on the men's servants and the maid servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. Then I will work wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awe-inspiring day of the Lord comes. And it will be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Acts 2 is proof that God keeps his word. Let's go ahead and just say this right now. God will always keep his word. Amen. Let's try that again. God will always keep his word. Amen. So how do we see God keep his word? Acts chapter 2 verse 14. What takes place at Acts 2, 1 through 4. Tongues of fire. Rest upon those who are in the upper room who have been there tarrying because Jesus told them, Do not leave Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. When we see them here, we see this incredible supernatural experience take place. And they're all sitting there. The Bible says they're in one mind, in one accord, or they're all on the same page. And suddenly, 
a sound comes that sounds like a rushing mighty wind. And it says that tongues of fire rested on them. Now, here's what sometimes I think we don't understand. It doesn't say that fire rested on the whole room. It said tongues of fire rested on each one of them. That tells me that Pentecost is a personal experience. There was a missionary named Charles Greenaway who was an Alabama missionary. And Charles Greenaway, Greenaway had this statement. And here's what he said. He said, every generation must experience their own greatness. And every generation must experience their own Pentecost. Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, also what takes place this day is what we know as the birth of the church. Today is the birthday, if you will, of the church. Because from here the church was empowered and the church began to go out. So how does Acts 2 show that God will always keep his word? Well, after the Spirit comes, Peter, who you know denied Jesus, becomes a prince of preachers. And he stands up and he begins to make these statements. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, these are the people who are accused them of being drunk. Why? They're hearing tongues in their own language. People are speaking and they're hearing it in their own language. They're not understanding what's going on. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you. And listen to my words, for these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour or nine in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. I just want you to focus on verse 16. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Some of your translations may say, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So what is Pentecost? Well, Pentecost originates as a Jewish festival, one of three major feasts. It's 50 days after Passover, which we understand that means that Passover must precede Pentecost. Before they are ever, ever filled with the Spirit this day, they must experience what it means to be born again and washed in the blood. So here we are at Pentecost. And Peter stands up and Peter makes this statement and he tells them, these, these folks are not drunk. They're, they're, not, they're not drunk as you suppose. Well, why are people calling them drunk? Because they're seeing things and hearing things and they're not being able to explain it. Let me just say this, friend. I, I think sometimes the reason that people discredit the power of the Holy Spirit is because they cannot understand and explain it. You will never understand and explain God, ever. Why do I know that? Because I can't understand why he's merciful and forgives me over and over again. I can't understand why he's patient and loving with me when I don't deserve it. And if he loves me that much and I can't understand that, I can't understand how God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one, yet we are monotheistic. We believe in one God. But there are three different ways that God presents himself. You're, you're not going to understand him. Nor will you understand the baptism in the spirit or the way the Holy Spirit lives in you. But what you can do is experience it. You may not be able to, 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 to comprehend everything God's doing because God will use you to do incredible things. I, I was willing to ask Sadie's doctor something Friday and I asked her a question. 
because I know that that from just being around her and talking to her, she knows that I'm a preacher and I know that she's a neurologist, okay? I remember when she kind of helped me understand that. I shared this Wednesday night. Whenever Sadie first got sick and I was trying to figure out what was going on, I told her, I said, hey, I Googled uh, kind of what she was telling me about and read up on it. And she looked at me and she kind of looked at me over her glasses and she said, do you want your people to Google what the Bible says or do you want them to learn from somebody who knows what's going on? I said, all right. I hear you, Mary Poppins. She's like Mary Poppins, always bouncing around with her high dollar purse, but she's phenomenal. Anyway, I said, Dr. Parker, I need to ask you a question. I said, it's going to sound crazy, and it ain't got nothing to do with saying And she's like, go ahead. I said, have you ever seen a miracle that you cannot even begin to medically try to explain? Have you ever seen something happen in someone's life that you can't even throw a dart in the air at? And she looked at me and she said, all the time. And I looked at her and I said, I was curious. I wanted to know. Because here's the thing. We can't explain what God does, but we know what he does. He's given us the word to tell us he gives us instructions on what we, we, we're to understand and what we're to know. And he gives us the guideline and everything has to be weighed against this book. But I can't understand mercy and grace. And I can't understand how the Spirit of God would choose to not only dwell in me at salvation, but become upon me and anoint me to bid his work and to do his work and to increase his kingdom. But yet that's what he does. And you know what? He doesn't just do it for me. Number three. Who's Pentecost for? Maybe you're in here and maybe you've been around Pentecostals or maybe you've heard people talk about uh, the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm not just talking about people speaking in tongues and interpreting, uh, interpreting, interpretation of tongues. Uh, I'm talking about the gifts of the Spirit. There are nine of them. Sometimes we don't do a good job at teaching all nine. We just teach a few. But there are nine gifts of the Spirit. Faith, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, healing. There are so many things that, that God desires to do. Now listen, that does not mean that you possess that gift. I have a pet peeve. I can't stand it when people say, uh, and they don't say this a lot anymore, but used to, people would be like, they're a healing evangelist. Or I'm a healing evangelist. No, you're an evangelist that God may use in healing, but you're not the healer. There is but one healer, and he is Jesus. He's the healer. But who's it for? I love this response of Peter in the same chapter, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter says to them, the crowd, the people who hear, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far away. As many as the Lord our God will call. Now, if you'll look at this screen for me real quick. It says, repent and be baptized. That is Passover. Passover means you have to have the blood applied. You have to realize that you've done something wrong and, and you need forgiveness. Every one of you in the name of Jesus for forgiveness of your sin. And then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now some people will teach you that what's happening right here, he's talking about salvation. Friend, there's no way 
that what you see right here is the same thing as when the Spirit comes inside of you. Now, let me help you with this. There's a difference between the Spirit of God living in you and the Spirit of God coming upon you. The Spirit of God comes in you when you're saved. How do I know that? Because we believe in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. You don't just invite one or two in. You get it all. It's an all or none deal. So when you ask Jesus into your heart, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Godhead. But there's a difference between him being in you at salvation and coming upon you for ministry. And this is what the promise of the Holy Spirit is that we see in Pentecost at the birth of the church. He says, for this promise. What's the promise? The promise is when Jesus said, go and tarry, wait in Jerusalem until the promise comes, the comforter. It's not the same as salvation. This is different. This is subsequent to salvation. He says, and who is it for? It's for you and your children and to all who are far away and as many as the Lord our God will call. There are people that I know that, that teach that the gifts of the Spirit ceased with the death of the apostles. Well, I don't believe that because my Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not a respecter of persons. So if he did it for Paul and Peter, why wouldn't he do it for me? Amen. Okay? If, if, if Paul and Peter would see shadows and handkerchiefs healed, then why would I not see that? Why would that not be available to me? Do you know why sometimes we don't see the power of God in our lives the way we saw it in Peter and Paul? Because most of the time we're not willing to pay the price Peter and Paul paid. As Pentecostals, we like piggyback anointing. Oh, I'll get in trouble with that. You don't want to get in God's work. You don't want to see God's face. You don't want to allow the Spirit of God to move on you. But you want to piggyback on somebody else and ask him, pray God can use me like you. Friend, get you a fork belly up to the table and ask him to do it yourself. He's not a respectful person. He'll do it for you. Just as much as he'll do it for anybody in this room. He will do it for you. Pentecost. I don't know much about water. Robbie understands water. But Pentecost is kind of like a main water line. If we went to a neighborhood and we had water line running through the neighborhood and you had lots, you, you put a house in there and the water line's there, the flow's there, you just got to tap into it. You see, we come into church and especially sometimes as spirit-filled believers and the water, the water of God, the spirit of God, you just got to tap into it. It's available. It would be as crazy as you having water in your yard, a, a line going in your yard, but you go to the store and buy the jug because you don't want to tap into what's there. That's the way sometimes people are when they chase a word or chase this. Let me tell you something. Now, I've told y'all before, I've said stuff in here before, and y'all got me. You've never heard me tell the story. I said something about a preacher one time when I first got here and said that I really didn't agree with what he said. I promise you it wasn't five, six days later in the mailbox, his ministry magazine came and just kept coming. So whoever I got upset was in love with him, and they wanted me to fall in love as well. But I told Miss Linda, I said, would you cancel all this? I don't know who thought that was funny. Here's the thing. If we tap into what God desires for us to do, if we tap into who God desires for us to be, if we'll understand that it's not just what happens on TV. Look, you don't have to go hunt up the latest revival to experience God. Some of the greatest moments I've had with Jesus are right by myself. I wouldn't trade those moments for anything in the world. 
When I was in this room this morning at 7.30, I lifted my hands and began to speak over this house when it was just me, Jesus, and empty pews. And I felt the presence and the power of God just like I would when we're all in here worshiping. There's something special about corporate worship, but there's something that's even more incredible whenever you understand that he wants you and you can get in his presence right by yourself. Look, I believe in prophecy, I believe in gifts, and I believe in speak, people speaking over your life. But this is the only thing I want to warn you about. Don't you rely on somebody else to give you a word of God whenever he's giving you 66 books of words that you can get one on your own. Amen? Let people give girl. <laughs> Let people give you a word be a confirmation of what God's already spoken to your heart in the secret place. Who's Pentecost for? Pentecost is for you, your children, and for all those who are far away. All those our Lord, our God will call. It's a main line for you to tap in. You will not deplete it. You cannot get too much of it. God wants you to have more and more. That's why I believe that the psalmist talks about the deep, crying out to deep and experiencing who God is. We live in an age of the Spirit, and we should not see the events of Acts as historical. We should let them encourage us to experience the fullness of who He is. Who is Pentecost for? Pentecost is for hungry people. Pentecost is for people who are not satisfied with average living. Pentecost is for people who read the Bible and desire to see those things that happen in the Bible take place in their own life. Pentecost is for people who want to be his witness in power. Pentecost is for people who know that they need the power of God. We need the power of God. We need the power of God. And the power of God it's not just for you to run up and pray for somebody and see something new, supernatural. Do you know what the greatest display of the power of God is? I listened to a 13-minute message yesterday at a wedding that preached the power of God of love. If you have 13 minutes to shine for the world to see, that preacher shine. And that's the power of God. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means people who are baptized in the Spirit have the power of the Holy Spirit and have to operate in the fruit of the Spirit. I don't care how much you prophesy, speak in tongues, heal. I don't care what kind of word you got for me. If you're not loving, patient, self-controlled, if you don't possess the fruit of the Spirit, don't try to operate in the gift. Pentecost is for people who need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our homes. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our churches. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our schools. I heard that there was more people who died in schools this year than died serving this nation. And we're looking at what the problem is. Friend, the problem is when we booted God out the door. We need the Holy Spirit in our jobs. We need the Holy Spirit in our neighborhoods. We need the Holy Spirit in our government. Are you listening to me? We need the Holy Spirit in missions. We need the Holy Spirit in church revitalization. We need the Holy Spirit in Columbus. We need Him in Starkville. We need Him tonight in Celebrate Recovery. We need Him when we're sick. We need Him when we're weak. We need Him when we're scared. We need Him when we're anxious. We need Him when things look dim. We need Him when things look good. We need Him. 
I can give you an explanation of what I think we're doing right around here and what I think we're doing wrong and what I think can improve. I can tell you why I think that people are coming and when people are, are bringing new families, I can tell you why I think people are inviting folks. I can give you my own little description if I want to of why I think we just had to gut out all those walls and behind those walls is totally empty. Not just for all the kids. Friends, I'm talking about for just three to five year olds. I can, see, I can give you all the methodologies. But there's only one true description in that one. It's just one used to be printed on the cover of the Pentecostal Evangel every Sunday. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it is by His Spirit. And I know this. The Bible says, if He be lifted up, He will draw all men to Him. Why do I think that the annex on Sunday nights is going to be full of Crackheads and addicts. Because when you preach Jesus, people need that. He makes the darkness tremble. Why do I think that this house is going to be filled with young families? Because people realize they can make all the money in the world. But if they don't have Jesus, they don't have what they need. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. What is Pentecost? Pentecost is an experience. Is this okay? That's okay. I'm loud enough. Pentecost is an experience that you and I have to encounter. We have to grasp. You can't piggyback on somebody else. If I ask you this question, if I ask you, when's the last time you felt the overwhelming power and presence of God in your life, what would your answer be? When is the last time where you felt the love of God roll over you wave upon wave. Where you could not explain it. You could not understand it. You knew you didn't deserve it. But he was so good to you. When's the last time the power and presence of God quickened your heart and told you, be my hands, be my feet, extended. Let the Holy Spirit move in you. I graduated high school 22 years ago, and I still haven't used algebra. <laughs> I didn't need that. But I'll tell you what I do need. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I need to know that God is with me and God speaks to me and God wants to use me. There are people that you know that are waiting on you. Yes. Our worship team's coming. They're waiting on you. They're waiting on you to get out and to invite them, to get out and to share the love of God with them, to get out and be used in the power of the Holy Spirit. I was trying. They need you. They need me. They need to understand how good God is. Amen. On January the 7th of this year, I read something. I'm going to read it again to you in just a second. But I remember last year, the Lord spoke to me. And the Lord said, Jody, I want you to speak over the church that it's going to be the best summer yet. Hallelujah. And you may remember the Sunday... Last year, I said, this is going to be our best summer yet. And when he spoke to me to speak that it's going to be the best summer yet, he said, because I'm preparing you for the best year yet. 
And I believe that this year that we're in right now will be our best year. Right now, we're already blowing the doors off anything we've experienced in my time here. And even, even before that for a long time. But it's not by mind, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit. I have a friend named Cody Berry. Cody let me uh, see something that their church had, had, had presented and I adapted it. And I went in and, and, and asked God to help me. And I said, I want a proclamation over our church. And the first time I read it this year was January 7, 2018. I've read it once since then. And I'm going to read it to you again today. Because this is what a Spirit-filled, Spirit-empowered church looks like. A spirit-filled, spirit-empowered church is a church that God sees and a church that God desires us all to be like. There's good churches in this city. I'm not worried about being the biggest. I ain't worried about being the best. I'm worried about being the most obedient. I'm worried about being one that reproduces. I'm worried about being one that knows that, that as long as there's one person that lives in the Golden Triangle, we cannot stop. As long as there's one person in Starkville, Mississippi that needs to hear the gospel, that I hope they wind up on Louisville Street and they hear Sean Turnipseed preach to them next year. I hope that as long as there's a need, we understand that God can use us. Amen. I see a church. I see a church. If you get this in your spirit, I'm telling you, will never be the same. I see a church that's so effective it cannot be ignored. I see a church where the growth experience cannot be contained in just one location. I see a church where worship experiences are just that, experiences with us touching heaven. I see a church where people are coming to and coming back to Jesus because that's the church God sees. I see a church where every single week there is a life rescued by the power of God. Today there were ten. I see a church where men, women, and young people are baptized in water, coming up new, never being the same. I see a church where men, women, and young people are baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. I see a church where people are hungry for His Word. They want more than what just happens on Sunday. I see a church where people are thirsty for His Spirit. They need to be led and empowered by Spirit-empowered living. That's the church God sees. I see a church that is compassionate for others. They want to do more for people, not just enough to get by. I see a church where people are generous and they give God their time, their talent, and their treasure. I see a church where the greatest friendships people have are the ones they have with those they worship with. I see a church where people run to church and not run away from it. I see a church where people want to get in and not try to hurry up and get out. I see a church that's trusted in the community. I see a church that's spirit-led, that leads of honesty, mercy, and integrity, because that's a church that God sees. I see a church that restores the broken. I see a church that is a safe place for the hurting, a restorer for those that are crushed in spirit. I see a church where people who walked away from the faith will come back to the faith. I see a church where people who swore they'd never go back serve when they do come back. I see a church where the head is Jesus. The help is the Holy Spirit and the focus is the Great Commission. That's the church that God sees. That's the golden triangle that God sees. This is the year. This is going to be our best year. This is not rhetoric from the mouth of a preacher. This is prophetic from the throne of glory. This is your year. This is our year. I declare favor over this house. I declare favor over Stockholm. I declare favor over your house. I speak life, not death. We will be the church that God sees. 
We will be the followers Jesus desires. We will have the best year yet. We are crazy enough to think we'll change the world and we'll do it. But not by might. Not by good preaching or good music or good singing. Not by power. But by His Spirit. Pentecostal churches may not look the way they used to. Pentecostal preachers would never wear blue jeans and an artillery shirt when I was a kid. But the anointing of God is not a respecter. He's just looking for a willing vessel. The anointing of God, the Hebrew word for anointing means smear. He will smear his anointing on whosoever will wear. I asked the worship team to close service today and we're going to close it in worship. The last verse I was going to share with you was confirmed this morning at 8.30. At 8.30 our worship team gets together and prays and I get to go in there with them. And Melissa Smart shared a devotion she was talking about the book that she's reading, and the book that she's reading is based off this one verse. And this is the verse God dropped on my heart to share. Jesus tells his disciples, he says, you got to work while it's still daylight. Because it won't always be daylight. Darkness is coming, and there is no work. And the name of the book is called Chasing Daylight. And it literally is word for word what I was going to tell you today. we got to chase daylight. As long as you've got friends and family who don't know Jesus, chase daylight. As long as you've got schools that need revival, chase daylight. As long as there's churches who are just so happy me and us four no more, we got to chase daylight because we don't have all day. Someone told me the other day, and I don't say stuff like this because I want you to think that I, I think highly of myself. Someone told me the other day, they said, I think that you have potential to lead thousands of people, maybe not right now. And I said, I hope it's not ever in one location. If God uses me to lead thousands of people, I pray that it's through new churches and revitalized churches all across this entire region. We don't need another big church. We need a church that works. We don't need another church on a corner. We need a life giving spirit and power, believing in the power of Pentecost in our lives. That's the church we need. And that church is made up of people like you and I. It's made up of people who believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and who desire the power of the Holy Spirit. Cloven tongues of fire rested on each one of them. And rest on you. And I ask them to close this way, and I know that it's 1157, and some of you think your crock pot's going to burn. But I dare you. I'll throw down my ultimate double dog there. I double dog dare you. To stop looking at that clock and give God five solid minutes of your undivided attention. To lift your hands and surrender, to lift your heart and your mind's attention to heaven. And to ask Him to set a fire 
inside your soul. That situations will not quench. That bad days will not snuff out. When doctors say what you don't want to hear, I set a fire inside my soul because I want more of you, God. Tap into the line. It's a main line. Tap in to the goodness of God. I want you to stand with me across this room. We're going to worship. If you have to leave, you have to leave. But I'm asking you, if you want more of Jesus, you come to the front. You pray. I'll stay here as long as you want. Jimmy John's delivered food, so if you're eating, it'll be there when you get there. Set a fire inside my soul. Across this room, if you're comfortable, I want you to lift your hands to heaven. As a sign of surrender. Holy Spirit, without you we are nothing, but with you we are everything. And it is not our good works, it is not our good intentions, it is not our talents, it is not our skill, but it is your spirit. And by your spirit you will grow a church that is life-giving and healthy, that lifts up Jesus, that preaches Jesus, and that sees the signs and wonders following the preaching of the gospel. Set a fire in your heart. As they lead us to worship, I just want you to worship Jesus. Make an altar where you are and you come to the one here. But today, don't let Pentecost be an event. Let Pentecost be an experience. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you ain't got to have 22 people around you. You can do it right where you are. Oh God, would you baptize me in Jesus' name. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be.